Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1113 of the Juicebox Podcast. We are already four episodes into the new Cold Wind series. I hope you're enjoying it. Today, George has had type 1 diabetes for 25 years. He grew up going to diabetes camps and being involved with the diabetes community. One day, he decided that he wanted to become a nurse. After graduating, he did four years of bedside nursing in a diabetic bedside renal unit, and that led George to become a diabetes educator. Currently, he does diabetes education full-time in a large inpatient facility. Hello and welcome to the Cold Wind series from the Juicebox podcast. These episodes will feature physicians, nurses, and other professionals who agreed to come on the show anonymously to share what they see in the healthcare profession. I've altered the voices of each guest so that they can remain anonymous and feel comfortable telling us what really goes on at their job. Just listen to how well the voice altering works. My name is Beth, and my oldest child has type 1 diabetes diagnosed in October 2020. My name is Beth, and my oldest child has type 1 diabetes diagnosed in October 2020. If you work in healthcare and have a chilling story to tell about your experiences in the healthcare field, contact me today. I'll get you right on the show. Your story does not need to be specific to diabetes. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D. Drink ag1.com slash juicebox. Don't forget to save 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. All you have to do is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. That's JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% at CozyEarth.com. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. TouchedbyType1.org and find them on Facebook and Instagram. Touched by Type 1 is an organization dedicated to helping people living with type 1 diabetes, and they have so many different programs that are doing just that. Check them out at touchedbytype1.org. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Learn more and get started today at contournext.com slash juicebox. Okay, George, what's your background? Yeah, so my, my background, well, first off, I've had type 1 diabetes myself for 25 years. Grew up going to different diabetes camps, being involved in the diabetes community. And once I was getting ready to graduate high school, trying to figure out what I was going to do, I decided I wanted to become a nurse. And so that led me to nursing school. And after nursing school, I did about four years or so of bedside nursing on uh, diabetic renal units. Um, so saw a lot of interesting things there, and that was ultimately to get me to a place where I felt like I could um, be in a good spot to be a diabetes educator. So I went on and got certified as a diabetes educator, and now that's what I do uh, full-time on an inpatient, large hospital. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of what I do. All right. Diabetes educator now. And you said you've had type 1 for 25 years? 25 years, yep. Okay. 
How old are you? Do you mind me asking? Yeah, I'm 30. So I was diagnosed when I was uh, just a turn five, really. Wow. In fact, I missed my fifth birthday party. As so many do. <laughs> yeah, right. I got I got sick. It was like the flu or something. And my parents had already, you know, put a bunch of money down on a big, like fun entertainment center place. So they're like, well, let's let all your friends go to this. And oh my so they God. went to it. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Uh... yeah, yeah. So, so they went to it. Um, and uh, it was fine. I opened my gifts at home, but and then sure enough, like four four to six months later, I'm I'm diagnosed with diabetes. I think I like your parents on that. I think I like yeah. like you know what, buddy, it sucks, but everyone else is gonna go. You hang. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like if I think I'd probably do that now. You want the other people that you invited to have a good time. It kind of you're right, it sucks, but uh, it kind of is what it is in that situation. There, you have three kids already. Mm-hmm. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> so, um. We're going to dig in, and uh, I, these episodes are usually a little more direct than some of the other ones. So let me start first with being in uh, the renal unit. What did you see there? So in the renal unit, it's a lot of really uncontrolled diabetes it, that has led to like dialysis and kidney failure. Mm -hmm. So within that, that setting there, we saw a lot of people who were you know, being started on hemodialysis or peritoneal dialysis. And when that happens, your insulin needs drastically change. You know, you could have uh, been quite resistant to insulin for a while. And all of a sudden, because your kidneys don't function, you're ultra sensitive to insulin. Not to mention, it also stays around in your body for so much longer. So one of the biggest issues I saw um, in regards to insulin and uh, the kidney patients is that a lot of the doctors didn't know how to properly dose the insulin. It's just like when you go into a hospital for the vast majority of people, it's very generic. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at someone's body weight and you go, okay, they're low resistance sliding scale. Oh, he's got a high A1C. Let's give him uh, an aggressive resistance sliding scale. And I'm sure for, for some doctors, it might be more detailed than that. But especially with like, say, a resident, a new, a new doctor, you're going to get that a lot, right. right? So you might have a guy who's had horrible control of his diabetes, has a really high A1C, maybe like 14, 15%. He's on dialysis. That changes everything, mm -hmm. right? You can't, you can't just go in with the aggressive scales. And what would happen is we get these patients having these horribly critical low blood sugars where they're below 20. You know, I, I saw one time there was a lady, uh, she had been my patient the day before, and I happened to walk by her room, and she was foaming at the mouth. And it was from low blood sugar, and we got her to come back, but... It was that exact scenario there. Yeah. That just way too aggressive. I interviewed somebody more recently who had to have, you know, didn't have diabetes when they went into the hospital, had their pancreas removed, mm. had diabetes when they woke up and, uh, you know, needed insulin when they woke up and they just didn't give her any. And the conversations between the nurses, she she looks back on now and she's like, we're baffling. Like they didn't even, like it didn't occur to the nurses that we just took their pancreas out. They need insulin now. Like like it was yeah. on the level of, hey, we removed their heart. How come we're not pushing blood through her anymore? Like they just right. didn't even right. know. It, and, I'm, and I thought to myself, like, and I may have said out loud at the time, this can't be the first time they've removed somebody's pancreas. Like how can this no. be a surprise? You know, right. but there it was and, and it was so. Yeah. And we, we, we see stuff like that a lot, you know, honestly, with everything that's gone on in healthcare in the last couple of years, um, with like the pandemic, there's been such high turnover 
with nurses and doctors that, you know, you're, you might have a charge or something unit who's only been a nurse for like six months now, you know? And so there's your people, I think are kind of getting into uh scarier situations. Okay. Because of potentially lack of experience. Um, I think there's higher demands on doctors than ever before. Like, is that because you know, of what, why do you think? I honestly think it comes down to profit a lot of the times. You know, each individual doctor might not be thinking that way, but if you're a part of a big system, the system wants to make a lot of money. And I think that is pressure that's put on the doctors to be like, hey, you know, you got to see this many patients every single day. And when you start rushing care, there's inevitably going to be mistakes. I don't think that every doctor is devious or wants to, you know, do something bad. Right. I just think a lot of them are so rushed that they don't have time to sit down. They don't have time to educate themselves. And it leads to these horrible situations and it scars these patients. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're saying that because they're pressured to see so many people, because the hospital is a private institution, it's trying to make money yep. and it makes right. money by helping people with their health. And yep. so to see this many people, you don't get the very natural experience of being able to stop once in a while or ruminate over something or go, let me go find out about this before I, you, you don't have those options anymore. You have to go, no. go, go, go. No. And in, in fact, like I, it's almost feels like a zombie apocalypse when you're walking through the hospital because nobody makes eye contact. People quite literally are almost running into each other because everyone's on their phone mm-hmm. texting another doctor, another nurse about a patient. And it's like, it, there's just so much, I think that pressure it's like, go, go, go keep seeing patients that, uh, Church, are, are they texting each other because they don't know and they think maybe this person will know over here? It's possible. I don't know for every case. Isn't that kind of funny, though? Like, we get yelled at for using the Internet to find out stuff, like, to do, like, you know, sourced information. But now they're forced to source information, too. Oh, that happens all the time. Please tell me my doctor's not Googling my problems sometimes. I can't speak for your doctor, but I have definitely worked with doctors who are. Oh, great. <laughs> so <laughs> so we really are down to now, like, you just have a prescription pad and I don't. To an extent, yeah. And let me tell you this other uh, story, too. Like, uh, I had a, a patient where um, this was in the diabetes educator role. And uh, he had a transplant rejection problem to an organ. Mm-hmm. They put him on high doses of steroids for a while. And so naturally that raised his blood sugars. He didn't have diabetes. He, he was in like the pre-diabetes category, Yeah, but he'd never used insulin. So that's why they consulted me to teach him how to do insulin. The plan was for him to be on steroids for like two to three weeks. So he didn't need a long-term prescription for insulin. Well, the doctor prescribed the Medtronic in pen. Okay. That's that smart insulin pen. Yeah. A great pen. If, <laughs> if you have diabetes and you're going to need it long-term. But that's also not covered by insurance very well, especially in someone who doesn't have diabetes. So the family is kind of freaking out. They get, they're like, our insulin prescription is going to be $1,000. And this is already after their discharge too, by the way. They're calling in telling me this on the phone. So the, they ended up getting the prescription. And then the in-pin doesn't come with insulin. It's cartridges that you load into it. And so then they have this $1,000 device that doesn't even have insulin. So I ended up calling the doctor that discharged. I'm getting the impression that she was in there a huge in a huge hurry. So she went back and ordered the in pen again. So instead of, I think, kind of slowing down and being like, okay, that was incorrect. I need to order something differently. Ordered the in pen again. And so the family gets stuck with this device they can't even use. There's no insulin. 
they ended up going to an urgent care to get a prescription from another doctor for the insulin. And when they filed a complaint with the hospital, the hospital told them, well, it looks like the doctor wrote in her notes that she was ordering the correct device. And so the the hospital basically told them we're not like, giving you a thousand dollars. Yeah. 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 We're not going to pay for it. The, you know, it's, that's on you guys. I have to say, too, I think your point earlier, if you had diabetes and got a prescription for an impact, I think it would be like a nominal amount of money. It would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they gave him a pen that didn't have insulin in it. The doctor meant to give him like a Novolog pen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, our, our standard is the Humalog quick pen. Okay. And so like in my notes, if someone's going to need it. All right. Please prescribe Humalog quick pen with uh, pen needles. Right. And so if they just look at the bottom of the note, you could pretty much copy and paste what I wrote and turn it into a prescription. And then after having made the mistake and you bring it to their attention, they do the same exact thing again. Do the same thing. And I'm telling you, it's still happening. This particular doctor, it still happens. (laughs) (laughs) And so every time, you know, I try to be polite, but I'm like, listen, this is not correct. And yet it still happens. Do you know the doctor aside of it, like of these interactions? Do you know more about them? I do, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to ask you, like, big dummy? Like, is somebody you wouldn't? <laughs> Where are we at? I would say I would not trust this doctor with my family's health. Okay. That's all. Trust yeah. me, uh, making this series has really enlightened me. I have not, uh, I've not heard so many people say I would not go to the place where I work to get health care. Yeah. And I don't know that that means the next place is any better. And by the way, how many people now are just using urgent care to be the prescription pad well and that that's the problem too that's another problem like i'll see patients and i'm like all right so you're in with dka do you have insulin at home and they're like well i've got like half a vial left i'm like okay well who do you go to for your your normal prescription and i go well i i usually just uh i come to the ed like once a month and then i get a new prescription for insulin you have stuff like that happening too Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between having a rapport with a doctor going in and saying, look, here are all of my symptoms. What do you think? And they say, I think you need this. And you go, I came to the same conclusion. I would like that if you could. But that's not what most people's situations are, their understanding around their medical needs. You could come in with a completely skewed idea of what's going on, especially in autoimmune, where so many things mimic each other to begin with. And if we start getting into the point where like, Anyone with Google can come say, I think I need this. And the doctor just goes, yeah, it sounds right to me. What the hell? You know, like, oh, my God, we could stop now, George. We could just stop right now. And I'd go, this has been horrifying. And but there's more, right? Well, there's more. Yeah. The Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter is sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box podcast. And it's entirely possible that it is less expensive in cash than you're paying right now for your meter through your insurance company. That's right. If you go to my link, contournext.com slash juicebox, you're going to find links to Walmart, Amazon, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Kroger, and Meyer. You could be paying more right now through your insurance for your test strips and meter than you would pay through my link for the Contour Next Gen and Contour Next test strips in cash. What am I saying? My link may be cheaper out of your pocket than you're paying right now, even with your insurance. And I don't know what meter you have right now. I can't say that. But what I can say for sure is that the Contour Next Gen meter is 
accurate, it is reliable, and it is the meter that we've been using for years. Contournext.com slash juicebox. And if you already have a contour meter and you're buying test strips, doing so through the Juicebox podcast link will help to support the show. A lot of the examples I've seen have revolved around finances and money. Okay. And so here's an example. Now, I don't think this doctor in particular was trying to make money. I think he had a pride issue. This patient, I see that for diabetes education in the conversation, it comes up that they don't have insurance. You know, A1C was like a 13 or 14. Clearly, they needed insulin. The doctor had prescribed uh, Humalog Atlantis, and that was going to cost them like 700 something dollars. And there's no way they could afford that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I suggested to the patient, hey, you know, Walmart has rely on brand insulin. We could do a similar version of this, and it's going to cost you like 50 bucks for, for the month or so. And so they're, they're like, that's awesome. That's, we can afford that. We can't afford the 700. Right. Well, I, I called uh, the doctor. He was very frustrated that I called him. And prior to calling him, I had paged him, just giving some recommendations. Because that's, that's like my job. It's not to tell them necessarily what to do, but it's to give some guidelines, some recommendations. Like, here's what I would recommend. And so I said to him, I would recommend that this patient is put on rely on brand insulin so that they can afford it mm -hmm. and he on the phone he told me he's like it is not your job to tell me how to dose insulin and he hung up on me and so I, I ended up calling him back he listened to what i had to say and he told me he's like i i spoke to the patient's daughter who's a pharmacist and there's no issues with finances it'll be fine so he ended up discharging the patient i i gave the patient my my hospital business card and said if there's any issues give me a call well sure enough the next day I get a phone call and they're like, we're panicking. We don't have insulin. We can't afford it. So I ended up talking to the doctor again. He told me to direct them to the hospital on call doctor line so that they can tell him how to dose the rely on brand insulin. That's all ego. I, that's my impression. Like if, if you knew this doctor, he is like, I'd, I'd say more of a, he's, he's a little stylish. He is more popular among the nurses. That's why I got the impression that it, uh, is more ego george handsome guy are you saying to me yeah uh, he's 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 handsome yeah he's in shape a little he's, time uh, to be in the gym maybe everything's going his way yeah 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 exactly better car yeah. than you oh that's for sure <laughs> ah i see okay so it's a oh wow is that a common thing i do see the ego kind of get in the way a handful of times yeah so basically, all the things we see in regular society people don't know how to leave that at the door to go be a doctor sometimes Sometimes that's correct. Yeah. So this person has a financial issue. You've taken the time to understand it. Yes. Found a, a fix for them, which I hope, by the way, people know that rely on insulin is just Novolog repackaged. Is that correct? So they do have Novolog. Uh, Novolog rely on brand would be 72 bucks mm -hmm. for the Novolog. What I was doing with this patient was NPH and regular. Oh, you were going that far. I, I'm sorry. So you were doing the, the original. See, that's such a confusing the original. Rely on Novolog. And yeah. there's the, and, and it gets okay. really confusing because they're all called Novolin. So Novolin R, Novolin N, Novolin 7030. You know, <laughs> I spend most of my life thinking, who names this stuff? Right. <laughs> you know how you can't confuse red and blue because they don't sound different or alike. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can imagine right, if right. blue and blah, like, then I'd be like, oh, which one is that? 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like I, it's fascinating <laughs> that nobody can figure this out. It's like when they build web pages and then they don't use them. Like, did no one try this website before they put it out? It's terrible. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like think a little bit. But anyway, okay. So there's dickheads that are doctors too. You're saying. Uh, yeah. Okay. Without a doubt. <laughs> okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> then you have to highlight, I got to highlight some of the good doctors real fast. Like, yeah, I've got, I've got a friend and he's like the, the sweetest guy alive. And he'll, he'll actually be like, you know what? I'm going to spend, I'll see a, le- a few less patients, but I'm going to spend 20, 30 minutes with a patient and actually figure out what's going on, figure out if I need to call in specialists. And, you know, I talk to the patients and they're like, we absolutely love this doctor. And so you can see that that is what, on a uh, personal level, that's what works. It, it's not this corporate, this see a bunch of people, be have an arrogant doctor. That's not what works. Mm-hmm. But that's that's kind of the way I feel like our society has pushed it a little bit. Is it possible that some of that arrogance is just maybe it's self-loathing? Maybe they're like, I know I'm doing the wrong thing, but this is what I got to do. It could be. And I think there's also a part that if you are confronted with saying like, hey, you might be doing the wrong thing. What if you have done that a thousand times with someone else? Right. You have to admit to yourself, I could have potentially harmed a thousand people to get to the realization that I was doing this wrong. I see. Oh, so yeah. there could be that pride of like, uh, it's better for me just to bury my head, put up that, that wall. Mm-hmm. than for me to have to confront the, the reality potentially. Have you ever heard my episode called listen to the doctor where the endo comes on and just flat out admits that the podcast changed how they help people? Oh, I did hear that. Yeah. I've yeah. never been prouder of a person I've never met in my entire life. You know? So, That's so cool. Yeah. Just, just, she just said, like, I listened to the podcast and I, I started doing things differently and it's helping. And then she told me, she basically told her staff they had to listen to the pro tip series. That's great. And some of the other podcasts, but then some of the re, the rebound she got from some of them was that guy on that podcast is doctor bashing. And she said, he's not bashing you. You're just not doing the right thing. And he's saying it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I was like, wow, like what, what a, what a great person. Like that's, yeah. fan, that's the doctor you're looking for. I made a mistake, right. you know, or I could have done something differently. Even it doesn't even need to be a mistake. Could have just been best right. practice at this at a time. And now it's not any longer. Yeah. You know, I had a, a diabetes educator and this person does not have diabetes. Just I'll preface it like that. Not saying that you have to have diabetes to be a good diabetes educator at all but i think uh, in this case i would have helped this person's perspective mm-hmm. she told me that i needed to be careful listening to this podcast because uh it wasn't coming from uh like for for you as an example you're not a doctor right not a doctor <laughs> i'm not anything right <laughs> and, she, and she goes like you should be really listening to like peer-reviewed you know episodes and podcasts and stuff like that well, like, yeah well, yeah yeah, yeah. go right to sleep listening to that but go ahead yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that was hilarious. Uh. Well, one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me is I do. So for people who are listening who don't know, I do an episode. I do uh, management episodes. I guess I'll say it here. Like I'm the father of a child with type one. That's really all I am. My daughter's had type one diabetes since she was two. And she's gosh, she's going to be 20 this year. Her A1C has been between five, two and six, two for like a decade now. And she doesn't have any, um, diet restrictions. And a long time ago, writing a blog, I realized that I had a system that it wasn't confusing and it was easy. And if I did these repeatable things that I got repeatable results and I used to write about them online and I got, you know, feedback from people said, Hey, this stuff really helps me. Thank you. Great. 
And then at some point, people stopped reading. It was a weird shift in society, but people were like, why, if they can say it in my ear, why am I using my eyes to read it? I'm like, okay, fair enough. So I started making a podcast, which became incredibly popular. Yeah. If I had to guess, I think it's popular because it's entertaining. It's real. I, I don't have the ability to talk down to you, so I can't do it to begin with. And I fundamentally understand insulin and how to use it in almost a complete way. But moreover, I have a way of explaining it that is very digestible. And and a lot of people, a wide berth of people have shown that they understand the podcast and that it works for them. Yeah. And I'll just a second that I mean, it it does work. Oftentimes in the the inpatient setting, I only get to see someone for like a day when I would like to really see them probably for three or four days in a row to make sure they're understanding everything. Mm. The way it is, I get consulted typically one to two days before they're getting discharged yeah and so you have to pack everything in as much as possible they're overwhelmed that's why i always tell them about this podcast especially like the bold beginning series it's like it really has changed people's lives i've had emails from people saying like hey i listened to that podcast and i feel like i really understand it now and it's 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 cool so you're doing a good thing here without a doubt you're very kind and i appreciate that very much but the thing here is like this podcast now has over 15 million downloads yeah okay and we Interview people who have diabetes, talk to doctors, you know, talk to people in industries, uh, make pumps and, and that kind of stuff. But moreover, it's popular because the information doesn't exist anywhere else. Like if you're a physician listening now and you're pissed because there's a guy with a podcast who's helping people and you're not, you made the world that I succeed in. Like if it wasn't for you, I'd have a different job. Yeah. I'm filling a void. <laughs> You know, and so, yeah, you know, that's the funny thing. Like sometimes when I get like that, oh, you're doctor bashing. I'm like, you did this. Like, I I didn't do this. I figured something out for my daughter and then I saw that other people needed it. And then I figured out a way to talk to them so that they could pick it up because I'm not blowing my own horn here, but I don't get to sit in a room with people. I don't know their background. I haven't heard their story. And yet I figured out a way to speak to them that still helps them. And if I could do it, you have a nice car and you're handsome and abs. Like, why can't you figure it out? Like, you know what I mean? You went to medical school and all. So you'd think you could figure it out if I could figure it out. I barely got through high school, George. And I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like The day I graduated, I was like, get the fuck out of here. Really? All right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just real fast along those lines. I think so many people, especially our society, we put such a high level on academic intelligence. Mm-hmm. And that's just one level. I mean, you're a people person, right? So you've got a high, I think, a uh, uh, social and like emotional intelligence. And that's why this is helpful, right? Yeah. It's not hard to help people. Right. And by the way, it, let me say this. You're there anyway. You got up, you got dressed, you went to work, you're doing something. Why don't you do the right thing? How would right. that be? You know, like, <laughs> I mean, what a crazy fucking idea. Like, like I, yeah. <laughs> you're already there. You're, you're right. functioning, but that's not specific to medicine, by the way. Right. I right. know people who work in big industries where people are being paid crazy money and they'll spend more time trying to look like they're working than it would take to actually do their job. I know. I know. It, it's just, it's just sad that that money is a lot of the time, the big motivator. You know, I had a doctor, he uh, was an, an endocrine fellow mm-hmm. and uh, he had prior been a pharmaceutical sales rep. And one day in passing we were just talking briefly and he thought this was funny and i thought this was horrifying he said 
You know, when I was doing the pharmaceutical sales, I would just tell the patient whatever I needed to, to make sure that they'd get on that drug. Huh? I don't disbelieve that at all. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, are you kidding me? Well, I can't wait. By the way, if you've uh, used to sell pharmaceutical stuff and you were a scumbag and you want to come on the show and talk anonymously, go ahead and contact me because I'd love to talk to you, too. I had a um, people will find an episode in this series with a human resources professional and mm. the things that she told me she had to do in 25 years all wrapped around finding ways to fire people who used up too much money because of their medical conditions. That was pretty horrifying. So, wow. Yeah. So let's hear more stories like this. And by the way, you've said this a couple of times and I'd like to echo it. I don't think all doctors are, are what these examples that you're giving. I think probably overwhelmingly that's not the case. Right. But if enough of them don't care and enough of them don't know, and enough of them are busy being scored by their hospital and need to keep their score up in order to get a bonus or not get fired or whatever is happening, then your chances of walking into an institution and getting somebody who's on your side and knowledgeable go down. Right. And it doesn't mean that everybody's getting poor care, but it, a lot of people are. Right. You know? right. And it, it, this is this model that we've kind of created it's driving good doctors away. Oh, sure. You know, like one of my, uh, my friends at the hospital, he was, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but he was actually listed as one of the top endocrinologists on your website. He just, he left the hospital mm-hmm. and went to uh, a private practice in a, in a different state. Yeah. And I was asking him like, where are you heading out? And he goes, well, one family, but two, I just need to get out of this place. And it's like the pressure they were putting on him. He had essentially no life outside of the hospital he he told me that he was still doing um patient prescriptions and all that stuff at, up to like 10 o'clock at night mm-hmm. yeah after working probably 10 hours on top of that right yeah right well uh yeah i mean it's just obvious let me ask you a question i came under the impression my mom who's now passed but a couple of years ago was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and the initial surgeon that diagnosed her would not do her surgery, which by the way, somebody else later did and gave her two more years of life, but, mm. and, and good years, by the way. Uh, but the doctor wouldn't give her the surgery, the initial one. And I came under the impression that if she died, he would get nicked somehow in a scoring system that hurts mm. him at work. Is that a real thing? I don't know. Personally, I wouldn't doubt it i can't speak to that personally though hmm. but uh, I, I got if a doctor knows about that come on and tell me about it please yeah. yeah yeah i mean i i do know we have markers for everything right i mean everything for example like everything like like are we washing our hands enough um like there's there's people who are secretly watching everyone at the hospital keeping tallies like oh you know he didn't wash his hands when he went in that's a tally so there's there's things for literally everything there's markers for everything hospitals have secret shoppers Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How about that? Yeah. And, and I know that because they signed me up to be one of them for the hand washing thing. You're in charge now, George. Go rat guess, on everybody. I am like, I don't, I'm like, why do I have to do this? And they're like, well, if you want to get the, if you want to get the exceeds expectation on your performance, you need to be doing extra things. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So exceed, don't just be a nurse, do something more. And by the way, rat on Patty over there. Let's get her out of here. Right. So stuff like that, you know, and listen, I did a, uh, when I was a, a floor nurse, I noticed that uh, 
we had these snacks that were labeled as diabetic snacks and it sounded like 12 grams of carbs. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, then I'm looking inside the pack and it says there's like, there's like three packs of crackers. There's like a small apple. There was cheese. There was like, gosh, there's like, um, oh, there's a mini bagel. And then I'm looking at the label from this company. It says 12 grams of carbs. I'm like, that is so false. That can't be possible. Yeah, the, the <laughs> right. apple the apple has 12 grams of carbs. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So I contacted the company and I was like, and they're like, oh, we noticed that this was inaccurate, but we had already shipped out like thousands to the hospital. So we're probably going to change it for the next one. So I got the got that all squared away. We had labels that fixed the carb count on it. And uh, for that year, I just got meets expectations on the uh, <laughs> the review. And, the, and I was like, what? I thought this would kind of bump me up a little bit. And they said, no, you have to do something that's going to significantly save the hospital money yeah. to be able to get the exceeds expectations. Yeah. Why don't you go run the parking during your break? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Go, go, <laughs> go park people's cars. Do a little bit of that. You know, valet yourself yeah. a little. Maybe you'll Dude. make some tips. Be fantastic. Right. When I was at this other hospital, it was the time where I wanted to make that transition into diabetes education. And so I, I put a proposal together, like pretty much what it, it would pay, that kind of stuff. And uh, they told me that they wouldn't go for it at the hospital because it's not a significant return of investment mm. for the investors of the hospital. So they they elected to get uh, new MRI machines um, that year instead of hiring a diabetes educator, which I suppose, in a sense, you are losing business when you talk to me because I try to make sure that you're not going to have to come back to the hospital. Right. But they so. said, well, I'll buy a machine that we can bill more. We can bill that that machine bills better than George does. That's basically yes. the message. Yes. Well, and that's the thing, too, because I'm paid on a salary. So if I see one patient, I'm paid the same. I If I see 11 patients, I'm, I'm paid the same. I can't bill because I'm an RN. They said that I'm basically a dying breed. This role's a dying breed because nurse. we can't bill. You could hire a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant who can kind of do similar things, but then bill. The patient for more money essentially oh so the idea is that they'll make nursing irrelevant because they can't bill for it because of the way the system's set up yeah so like the floor nurses they'll they'll, they'll still be there no problem mm -hmm. but like a specialty role so like diabetes educator so because i'm a, an rn a bsn rn cdces that role is probably going to not be as popular to be hired at least mm -hmm. because i can't bill okay yeah Oh, okay. Well, all right. Let's take a breath. <laughs> Everything's yeah. fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry, George. It's all going right, to be okay. Right. Don't you worry. Good luck. So, your AI yeah. app is going to be your doctor in 10 more years. And I it, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You know, it's AI kind of freaks me out in some ways. In some ways, it's kind of cool. But I, my brother-in-law, he's really big into it. And uh, he's like, watch this. He's like, he, he highlighted uh, an article that he read about diabetes meal plans. Mm -hmm. And then he put it into one of those AI apps and said, uh, give me a diabetes meal plan. That's easy for me to follow. And it's like in a minute, spit them out of a full meal plan. And I'm like, I'm lo looking over it. And I'm like, wow, that was, that was kind of accurate. Oh, you want to hear something crazy? I have episodes that are called the math of basal insulin, math of this math of like insulin carb ratio and blah, 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 where we just have a conversation about how to yeah. do it. But in no, at no part during the episode, does somebody say step one, take your weight. Step two, do this. Like, it's not like that, right? It's just a flowing conversation. And yeah. I've fed my own audio into my AI and said, how do you figure out somebody's basal insulin? And it tells you. 
Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, from the conversation. <laughs> so, but my point is, is that at some point, you're going to sit down and tell something. This is how I feel. And it's going to give you some possibilities and then put you on the phone with a virtual doctor. Yeah. And you're going to get an answer like that. And, you know, whether that ends up working or not, who knows? Right. What I'm hearing from you is that any conversation about how do we help the patient, how do we keep them healthier, is met with that doesn't make money. And so, you know, there's no answer here because money rules. Money. Let me say something for people who may have some hope left. Everything's about money or power. That's life. I'm sorry. Uh, you, yeah. you know, like, it's, like, it's like the big three, I would say, sex, money, power. Yeah, perfect. The handsome doctor. <laughs> he doesn't need your nursing ass to tell him what to do, George. Like, he's a doctor. Right, right. Yeah, ladies love me. I'm just here for the, <laughs> I, I almost said something I shouldn't say. But I, I feel like um, that's it. Like, if you want to know why something's happening, it's a power move. It's a money move. Something to that degree. Now, not in your personal life. I'm sure your mom is not making power. Although some people are probably, I don't know, my mom's doing that. But, uh, but like, you know, like, I'm sure the people you love are not doing that to you. But right. when you get out into the world and you hear anything, if the first question you're not asking yourself is, why are they saying that? I don't understand you as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. The, and that's, that's a big thing I tell my patients, too, is, you know, you have to be able to take what I'm telling you process it and then look it up for yourself too. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to take me a hundred percent at my word when I'm giving them the information. I, it's, it's reliable information, but I want them to get in the habit of, Hey, you look into this kind of stuff for yourself too. You know, don't, don't just necessarily take somebody's specifically straight at their word for that. That Yeah. And that's how you get like in, informed decision-making you, you have to, that yeah. leads into a completely different problem, which is that most people don't, want to do that or they're not conditioned to do it or they don't have the bandwidth to do it they don't have the intellect to do it there's a lot of reasons why people can't just pick up that baton and keep running with it yeah. and making this podcast has taught me that i'm not judging anybody but there are countless reasons why people don't do well with their health it's not the simple stuff that a bro podcast would tell you like you just ain't trying hard enough like you know what i mean like it's not it's <laughs> right, not it's right. not like stop eating like, it's not like that. You know what I mean? Like, most people are not just, I don't think that there's an overweight person in the world who's got a fistful of food that's not good for them that just is going, I don't care about me. That's not how people think. They're making decisions for a myriad of reasons that you don't know. And when it comes down to this diabetes stuff, you start them off with bad information. They have a bad situation. They either get incredibly scared of insulin or, yep. or something else yep. happens and they do this throw, throw it up to God thing. They're like, oh, well, I guess this is my life now. And, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You're ruining those people's lives. And it's needless yeah. because yeah. if you just explain to them how to use insulin and make sure they understand, they're going to have a better situation. But that's not what's going to happen ever. What's going to happen is that people are going to continue to make bad decisions that don't help people yeah. because of, you know, preconceived human stuff and this just keeps happening i guarantee all those people in that renal unit that you were talking about at the beginning yeah if i take most doctors through that unit and point to them and go look at all these poor people they're gonna go that's ah, their own fault should ate better and exercised you know what i mean yeah yeah that's that's the, and that's the attitude you know and i i'm just blown away like when i see patients i i, I try to see a blank slate every single time 
and I'm not perfect. I mean, I, I'm a human. Obviously, I'm not perfect, but like everyone is so different. Like yesterday, I saw a guy, and uh, he he'd been dealing with high blood sugars and really bad low blood sugars. And so I just I took some time. I was like, hey, so what's going on? Tell me about your regimen at home. And he goes, well, I take Lantus in the evening time, and I take insulin for my meals. And I said, okay, but tell me, what insulin do you take for your meals? And he goes, oh, it's called seventy thirty. And so he was taking. 70-30 mix to try to cover his carbohydrates. And that's like 70% of it is a, an intermediate acting like 12 to 14 hour insulin. Yeah. So it's no wonder that he's doing that. And then four to six hours later, getting low. a blood sugar of 20. Yeah. But I think, and he told me he's had diabetes for 15 years and no one's ever told him that is what he told me. It's 2023. How can that be possible? If you have someone who comes in the room very quickly and the guy goes, yeah, I mean, I take my long acting Lantus and then I take my insulin for my meals. If that's all they hear uh, and don't take the, the extra second to go, okay, but clarify for me, what insulin are you taking at the meal? Right. Then you get into a situation. He, they're going to say in the notes, okay, patient's taking, you know, insulin with meals, con- consult endocrine to figure out why he's having the lows. Yeah. It, it's funny. You were just told the the problem, but you went by it so quickly that now you're going to start looking at a thousand other things. This right. happens all the time, by the way, yep. with diabetes. I've learned from making the podcast, you say to somebody, hey, how's your uh, A1C? And they go, it's good. Yep. And in the beginning, I went, okay. And I just would move on from my interpretation of good. Right. But it didn't take me long to say, what does good mean? Yep. Because once they say that, you go, oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> like, like, we're not going to call that good, are we? Like, you're spiking into yeah. the 250s. And I'll say, but it comes back down. And I go, yeah, but that's that doesn't have to go like that. Uh, yeah, sure yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, so when you're problem solving, the way I always think is you need people to say the rest of the sentence. Absolutely. Be clear. Use all the words. Explain to me what's happening so that I can look at that and go, no, you know what? Turns out you're using the wrong insulin. Hey, 15 years ago, you fixed this guy's problem. Yeah. You know, and I, another thing I wanted to highlight real fast. Um, so I do insulin pump trainings also. Mm-hmm. In the last year, I've been noticing that there's been a trend of patients who should not be on pumps are being assigned pumps or given pumps. How so? And what I mean by that is that uh, obviously there is a level of understanding that has to go into using an insulin pump. And if someone barely understands the concept of insulin, is not able to handle the technology, it's probably a good indicator that, that they shouldn't be started on a pump in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I'll get to the, the insulin pump trainings. It, it gets into really kind of scary situations because then I'm expected to have this person start on the insulin pump. And then I'm, I'm worrying that they don't even know what insulin really even does, you know, and it, it, it gets these horrible situations. Like I've had. Uh, recently, there was a couple guys that were hospitalized because they didn't understand how to use it, even after training and follow up. And I, I do have to say, I pinned that one down on the doctor because that was a poor assessment on their part to even say, hey, you're you should be on an insulin pump. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's back down to the core of why the podcast is popular, because I yep. explained to people how insulin works. Right. That's it. Yep. I, I had somebody tell me the other day that my explanation of a tug of war for a, a meal bolus is like the greatest thing that's ever happened to them. As oh, a, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. That's a great example. Again, you know, I came up with that in my living room, right? 
Like, I, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, not reading a medical book or, you know, and I'm not, I'm not giving myself a ton of credit. I was just put, you know what it is? I'm realizing, talking to you, I was put into a situation where I was asked to help a person. I think I've been clear about this in the past. I was talking to a very young mother, and it was clear to me that she had dropped out of high school because she found herself pregnant. And mm-hmm. she was literally waitressing, and her young kid gets diabetes. She's struggling, and she's online looking for help, and no one knows how to help her. And someone points her to me and says, that guy will explain it to you. Like, this is before the podcast, right? Like, it's I'm probably yeah. just writing a blog back then. And I take my time, and I let her call me on the phone. And I let her tell me her whole story. And which, by the way, for doctors, interestingly enough, I've learned their whole story is not that important. Like, like the details are important so that you know what they're doing so that you can guide them well. But people have this desire to tell a bigger story. And I understand that on a personal level. But I get where doctors could be standing in a room going, ah, this part doesn't matter. Like, you, you know, yeah. you, like I get that that happens because I've had it happen. But she explains her story. I assess who she is as best I can. And I give her my best explanation about how to set this kid's insulin up. Yeah. And she has the, the bravery to say, I did not understand what you just said to me. Mm. And I had a moment where I thought, I've just explained this to her the best way I know how. And I, 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 I was at a crossroads. I was either going to tell her, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Or I had to figure something else out. You know? And in that moment, I said to her, I don't even know where it came from, George. I really don't. I said, you know, have you ever been in a tug of war like at school, you know, with a rope and there's a flag in the middle? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, imagine on one side of the rope is insulin and on the other side of the rope is like food and carbs and like all the things that make blood sugars go up. And she goes, okay. And then I just freestyled it. And Mm. she said, I get it. Thank you. That was it. I get it. That's Thank incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I spent time in my personal time. I have stood in this room when no one's in my house and said that out loud to nobody 25 times <laughs> until it's until it's a story. I could tell them you could come up to me on the subway, smack me in the side of the head, point a gun at me and say, tell the tug of war thing. And I'd be like, OK, have you ever had a tug of war? Like I would boom, go right through it. I wouldn't miss anything. A doctor can do that, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, that's, I, once I heard you explain that in another podcast, that's a a common example I use now with my patients to tug of war it. You're right. It makes people understand it. That a lot, a lot of people need those analogies to, to understand these more complex topics. Pictures. That's it. At the end of that, that story, as I'm standing in front of you, like pulling on my own hands left and right to try to make the point about a bolus. I go, now imagine this, and I flip my arms from east to west to north to south, and I think, and I say, now, look, the insulin's pulling down, and, and the, the, the carbs, they're pulling up, and they're in a yeah. fight, and when neither side wins, that's a flat line on a CGM graph, and you should see yep. people's faces go, oh, my God, I got it. Boom, right. just like right. that. Scott, who barely got out of high school, not that I wasn't <laughs> smart enough. I was lazy. Yeah. Let me be clear. Also, I was poor and I was at work most of the time. I wasn't really working on high school. You know, I used to leave school in the middle of the day to go to a job at a sheet metal shop to make $15. <laughs> like I'd sneak out and not come back. And my, my boss would be like, aren't you supposed to be at school? I'd be like, oh, it's a short day. <laughs> <laughs> time clock. Need money. Yeah, right. A- a- yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. We got a little off track there, but not really. Like, So what exactly... Is there a fix that people on the ground can do, or is it too stacked against them? 
a fix as in like for the providers or for the patient? So already it's too, it's too confusing of a question, right? Cause it's not, it's not that simple, right? Like, well, it's not, it's not a simple. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think if you wanted just a straight answer, the, the fix is you have to remove the straight business model of healthcare. It needs to be about actually helping people. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can get back to that, get back to not having to force doctors to see X amount of patients a day to be getting good marks, rather it's it's more of the the quality versus the quantity, I think. Hmm. But the the issue is, and this is a, a huge, this is a deeper topic, but the way our our culture is, and I'm coming from the uh the US, we don't have a healthy culture. Yeah. And everything we do is like disrupting our endocrine system. And so that's fundamentally we need to start at the the foundations, the building blocks, and re teach people what is actual health and nutrition and that would keep people healthier out of situations where they're having to be in the hospital all the time which would then mean that the doctors aren't having to see crazy amounts of patients in a day so the, to answer your question it's it's complex i don't think there's just a a straightforward way to fix this so all we really have to do is take the money out of food and medicine and everything will be fine why don't we yeah. do politics at the same time while we're fixing the world? R- right, exactly. Yeah. 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 But if I could if I could leave people with one thing, I'd say not necessarily rely as much on the this sounds bad, but relying on the system. So like, if you can do things at your home like making some of your own foods, maybe you have a little garden, you know, things like that, that's gonna be a starting block to getting you into a healthier lifestyle. Wow. Yeah, so no one's coming to help. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I Listen, here's the other side of it. I wouldn't want people to be sitting in their, I don't know, easy chair tomorrow going, man, man my shoulder's stiff, my chest hurts. Right. I just listened to that podcast. They said doctors aren't going to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Run in, Absolutely. yell and scream, my chest hurts, my arm hurts. So I think it, it does take it down to what I have noticed is that the... The bread and butter stuff, the stuff that happens all the time, hospitals are incredibly good at managing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah like you yeah. break your arm, absolutely. Run to the hospital. They're going to fix you up really nicely. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that for sure. Like, as soon as you start adding variables, then then it gets a little dicey sometimes. And then all these other little things that we're talking about come into play. Like, when my daughter was in the emergency room, you know, a few months ago. And I watched and I said to the nurse, I'm like, well, we want to do this. And they were like, well, the doctor won't like that. And I said, I don't care. I was like, go, go, let's do it. I can't without asking the doctor. And I said, well, ask the doctor. You know, I saw fear on her face. Right, right. Because, you know, you get, uh, I've been on the other end of that. I've been been the nurse talking to the patient where the patient's like, can we just do this? Go ask the doctor, you know, and I end up asking the doctor and he's like why are you calling me this is not an important thing just use the order set and you're like well <laughs> there's no order set oh, and as yeah. a as a as a nurse you are taught that like you follow the doctor's orders you don't you don't do you don't become a rogue nurse and just be like well i'm gonna do this and this on my own you got to get the doctor to sign off on it right and maybe that means for a type one it's like hey can we do insulin to carb ratio and maybe the doctor doesn't know how to even do that. Right. And the doctor's like, no, he's type one. He he needs six units with his meals. That's what he needs. Yeah. You don't realize how much of how people answer you is only based on what they understand, not what you're Absolutely. saying. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and like, go ahead. 
I was going to say in that specific scenario there, because I, I always tell my patient, I'm like, listen, this is what the doctors recommended to you. It's your body. You can make the choice if you're going to choose to take the medication or not. Right. So you could, in theory, say, I'm going to refuse six units and I'm only going to accept four units. That's not me. That's not the nurse going over the order set. Like you couldn't be like, I'm going to take eight units. Well, the order is only calling for six. The nurse could not do that. That would get you into trouble. Mm -hmm. But if the patient says, I only want four units, you're not breaking the order because you're not going over the order. You, you could give the four units and then call the doctor and say, hey, listen, this is what the patient wants. I wanted you to be aware that he didn't want the full six units. Mm -hmm. That's how you could handle a situation. You like know that. how difficult that is for people, though, right? Like, the, of, of course, yeah. The, yeah. the entirety it doesn't happen. It doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, the entirety of the problem I see with people who have had diabetes for decades, and then, so what happens is that a long time ago there was, you know, managing diabetes was not some exact science, right. and then that gets taught to people who have diabetes, and that colors their personal life with it. But it also gets taught from doctor to doctor, and then that colors how care goes. And so, like, and so nobody has a good answer. A lot of people are having problems, but they can't break the cycle because nobody has the nerve to look at their doctor and say what you just said. Like, I don't really want to do that. That doesn't sound right to me. And and the real unintended consequence of that is that you kind of damn people to live an entire life with their guts on fire because they know they're doing the wrong thing, but you told them to do it. So they're doing it. Like they're actually yeah. screwing themselves or hurting themselves on purpose, but they won't stop because you, the person in the white coat with the fancy car told them not to do that. And so they're just listening to you blindly. Right. You know? Yep. And, yep. and that gets back to the whole, well, if I've told them the wrong thing a thousand times, I have to admit to myself that yeah. I have potentially harmed a thousand people. And that's, that's a really hard thing to come to a realization to as a doctor. But I do think that some of my, the best doctors I'd recommend have looked at their practice and said, there's things I didn't know in the beginning. And that unfortunately may have led to harm to some people, but now I do know this. And so I'm not going to go back to the way I was. I'm going to go to the way that I learned to help and how to help people. So here's a difficult question. Maybe that you may not know the answer to, but sure. maybe you also might know the answer and not want to answer it. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but how much of not wanting to pivot has to do with liability? If I admit, if I admit I doing it wrong, then I I'm admitting I heard it. I heard somebody before then. I think as long as you um, were practicing within the policy guidelines, you'd be okay. You're covered. You're covered. So Right. You know, you see a, a patient with type one diabetes, it's not going to the policy is not going to say specifics like, OK, they they need this much insulin. It's going to say a type one diabetic needs a long acting insulin and a, a short acting or rapid acting insulin with their meals. So if that's what you've been prescribing, maybe it's not the right way to prescribe it, but that's what you have been prescribing. You would be OK to then transition and be like, you know what? No, no, no. I need to go to a place where they should be. They should be like counting their carbs. Yeah. And being a, being aware of that. That I don't think they'd get in trouble for that. Okay. Now, if they were if they were practicing with something completely outside of a policy, and then they admitted to that to themselves, you you would be potentially liable. Right. Yeah. Hey, here's a question: How pissed do you think that organizations 
that exist now, doctors, organizations, nurses, organizations, uh, diabetes educators, like there's, there's big organizations that represent people. They have, um, you know, you can go to conferences and et cetera. Like how pissed do you think they're going to be that people like you are speaking up about this? Or do you think that quietly they're going to be like, thank God. I think there's going to be some people who are thankful. I do think that some will be upset though, for sure. Um, because I think if, if someone's not in the mindset of willing to change and they're stuck in the, the old way of profit, profit business, well, some of the things that I'm saying would lead to better diabetes care, which would mean less interactions with the hospital. Mm-hmm. So less profit. Even though that your work is in diabetes, like the things yeah. we're talking about apply across the board to other disease. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and issues, right? Like the, you're not saying anything that's like, this is super specific to diabetes. Like, there's probably a lot of different care ideas that are following broken models and, 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 and right. things of that sort. Right. And that's why I think you get some people who end up doing like a private practice and say they, they won't accept insurance. You get in that situation because a lot of times in, the insurance companies dictate things about your appointments, right? Mm-hmm. As an example, we, we know some, some midwives that do home visits and uh, if they were to accept insurance, the, the insurance told them that they could only have 15 to 20 minute appointments, but their whole practice is built around the fact that they're having hour to hour and a half appointments with their patients. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing for other practices, other health areas. It just kind of sucks. It does because the cost of everything is so high. So we need our insurance to, to do things. But I think oftentimes for people who really want to take back their health, they almost have to go outside of that. And that's, that comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. When Arden was, my daughter was done being a, a child and had to move on to an adult endocrinologist, we looked around, but in the end, we went with basically a concierge doctor and then yeah. we, you know, put some money aside to pay, you know, the, the bills. And then we have to submit it to our insurance. And then right. the insurance does reimburse us to be perfectly honest in a way that it's, it's very affordable to do. It's That's not, good. it's That's not good. actually a problem. And I know that wouldn't be everybody's situation, pulling the money together to begin with or having insurance that would reimburse. But, no. you know, the first time that I took her there, I said to Arden, I'm like, do you want me to go with you for the first appointment? She's like, okay, yeah, that'd be good. And cause we, you know, three months earlier, we were sitting in a room with like, you know, apple trees on the walls and stuff. And we're together anyway. So <laughs> right, we right. go in now you're in an adult situation. We're seated at some comfortable chairs with a, you know, a table in between and there's a pad and a paper there. And Arden just says, what is that? And the doctor says, oh, it's in case you want to write something down while you're here. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, brilliant. Yeah. How many times do you walk out of a doctor's office going, uh, what do you say? What do you say? You know, and um, even that, like, how was that? Because, you know, those printouts that the system gives you are yeah. mind boggling. And yeah, they're bad. They're not helpful. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. And she's like, yeah, yeah. so anyway, oh, I'm sorry. I no, just little ahead. little stuff that that takes time. And then mm-hmm. from there, there was a point during the conversation, which is really what it was. Arden was having a conversation with the doctor as her first meeting with her. And, you know, like there was a moment even when I thought, are we taking up too much time? Mm. Like, oh, gosh, like, does she have to go? And I said, I'm sorry, are we here too long? And she goes, no, no, you have an hour. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. And then we got to a lot of other stuff that you wouldn't normally get to. And she got to hear right. more stories and, you know, anecdotal stuff about Arden that she could, she was taking like notes about. And now when you talk to her, 
she's like, oh, I remember that. Or didn't we talk about this a while ago? Let me go look. And then boom, I've listened to it happen in real time on the phone. My doctor calls us. I don't know how to say this. Like, I want to be a little obtuse. It's so out of the ordinary. But Arden needed a medication recently. And it was a Friday evening. And the doctor, we were on the phone on a Friday evening at like 7.30. And she's going, um, she's just chatting it through. You can hear there's people in her house. Like she's just, you know, she's chatting it through with us. And she goes, oh, you know what? I have a sample. And she goes, you can come to the office on Monday. And she goes, oh, you know what, though? It would be great to start it on the weekend. And I was like, yeah. And the next thing I know, I swear to you, I'm on the phone in the car and I get a text and it's from my doctor. It's her home address. And she says, we'll be up to about (laughs) 11. That was it. I drove to her house and she handed it to us on her front step. Wow. And I was like, this is what it must've been like in 1950 without the texting. Right. (laughs) So, you you know, that's a person who cares about you and is not being rushed around. And, you know, I mean, anybody listening to this is, you're not getting that anywhere else. So no, Mm -hmm. it sucks. And and I'm not saying that the the doctor at the hospital should be texting you their home address. (laughs) Like it's obviously like, right, right, right. But a tiny bit of that concern might go a long way. I'll leave this here with you and then I'll let you wrap up. You know, this podcast, it doesn't just help people. It's actually a successful business. Mm. Okay. Okay. So all I did was say to myself, I'm going to help people. And if it makes money, that's great. And if it doesn't, I don't care. I never once focused on it being monetarily successful, Mm. but now it is because it actually helps people. Right. Yeah. I don't know that you can't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like want to help people. And like, I I don't have a Maserati. I'm not trying to say that George, you know what I mean? Like, but like (laughs) we pay our bills and you know, my, my wife works too. This is not a single family, like, like structure, like for for finances, but I am not in a pressure situation where I have to go find another job. I can actually help people and, and, and buy food. So anyway, that's great. Yeah. But maybe that's not everybody's goal, I guess. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And you have to evaluate your goals and whatnot too. But can I ask you nurses specifically, how many of them do you think were like, I want to help people. And how many of them do you think were like, I heard that pays well. I think the vast majority of nurses went into it saying, I want to help people. Excellent. Because quite honestly, um, I knew it paid well. But there are so many other things that I could do to make a lot more money than what I'm doing right now. I mean, for goodness sakes, like you could recently, I was like driving down the road and there was like a fast food restaurant saying hiring at like 21 bucks an hour. (laughs) You were like, I can make fries and do better. And I I was like, when I got hired as a nurse and this was not even this like 10 years ago. Yeah. It was, I got paid 27 bucks an hour. That was after going to college for four years, getting passing the NCLEX. And so, like, I think nurses honestly aren't probably paid as well as they deserve. Okay. And so, so I think if you're a nurse, you're generally going into it because you want to help people. Mm-hmm. But you don't yeah. think it's a thing that, like, kids coming out of high school kind of blind, blindly believe, like, oh, it's it, it pays well. They, that- I, I'm sure there are some people like that. And, hey, you know, if there's roles in the nursing field that pay insanely well. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I've got some uh, people, uh, some friends that are like single, not married. They do travel nursing yeah. and they make a ton of money. 
doing that. Right. But for the standard nurse who wants to maybe have a family and be in one location, you're, you're not paid as highly as you think you would be. Mm-hmm. I'll, just, I'll just leave it at that. I see. Okay. Yeah. Does it attract people who don't belong in it? I think there are some people who definitely don't belong. Yeah. But I think the vast majority of nurses I work with, they probably do belong. But what I'll also say is the way everything is set up, it's almost inevitable that you're going to be jaded a little bit, whether that's to people's humanity. You know, there, there's just things that happen that you, you kind of feel jaded. You know, I, I know after four years of doing bedside, I, got, I did that because I wanted to get diabetes experience across the spectrum. I wanted to see the worst of the worst before I started doing the education role. I remember I would come home and tell my wife, I'm like, man, I just felt like a drug dealer today. You know, I felt like I'm feeding people's addictions. Really? And so there, yeah, because, you know, and then that, <laughs> it gets back into some of the, the patient satisfaction stuff, which is hospital profit. You know, pain is what the patient says it is. So I could be having a conversation like this with a patient and then he goes, oh yeah, um, you know, I got my, my morphine, you know, four hours ago. I'm, you know, I'm in 10 out of 10 pain now. And it's like, whoa. 10 out of 10 pain means you're not even having a conversation. You're basically in tears, but we're having, we're joking around. But now it's because the patient said that <laughs> he has that. I have, I have to give him the medication. Wow. People are going to be jaded, I think. And you have to be pretty strong to be a nurse, I, I'd say. Yeah. I, I'd like to point out, I guess this is a good time to point out that I know you're dealing with people too. And they're right. all the foibles that come with humanity as well. Yeah. Um, and it's not like, you know, it's not Mr. Rogers coming into the into the ER every five seconds and, and everyone doesn't no. have best intentions. And maybe they, you know, anywhere from seeking drugs to, uh, you know, having treated their body terribly for 30 years. And now they're here yeah. and they're like, yo, fix it. I'm like, well, that's not how this works. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I take that point as well. I'm not saying that your actions were, are going to fix humanity. I'm just saying, like, you have like you're in. You're in control of the thing you do. Right. 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 And speaking specifically about diabetes, but really thinking more holistically about, about all kinds of disease sets, like the path you put someone on is the path they stay on, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I've been making this point a lot, but if you're seeing somebody on the back end in an ER, just remember that this is the end of a long path that also started with a doctor. Yeah. You know, and that person had a great opportunity to put them on a path that would not have ended them up in your ER, however many years later. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so somebody's got to start doing the right thing if we expect anything to change. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, you said something in another podcast where it was more or less like something that a doctor says could haunt someone like the rest of their life. And even if it's just a little backhanded comment, and I, I see that too. You You hear patients, you know, saying like, Oh, I was diagnosed and the doctor told me that I, because I'm so overweight, that was the only reason I got diabetes, you know? And then they, of course they lose the weight and maybe they still have it. And so they're they're just thinking the rest of their life that they're a failure because they were overweight. George, listen, most problems are because people don't communicate well. So that's so true. Yeah. It just, it's, it's because you go find that person one day and I bet you they're like, I just meant like eat better. Like, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. or, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I wasn't exactly. trying to shame you into feeling that way, but it's done now. Like, you know, yep. where are you going? I do a diary about like, I use Wegovy. I've been using Wegovy since March. It's December. Now I've lost 40, yep. Yep. 40 pounds. It's like fundamentally changed my life. Every week I sit down at this microphone for about five minutes and I 
talk about the previous week. I shoot my Wegovi and I shut the thing off. And about every 35 minutes, I put it out as an episode, right? Mm, yeah. So I sit down last week to do what's going to be the last one of this episode, uh, episode eight or nine. I forget. And I started talking about my week, which was I went shopping because I needed new clothing. Because I've lost weight. Yeah. And before I know it, I'm crying in front of this microphone, remembering how terrible it felt to be a little fat kid shopping for Mm. clothes with my mom and how much I hated going shopping and how I used to take it out on my mom. And now my mom's dead and I can't even fucking apologize to her, Mm. you know, like and, and I'm like, so that's that. 45 years later, okay? And, like, if you don't think as a doctor, you can't say something to somebody that if they were being honest with themselves 45 years from now would break them down into tears. Like, you're out of your mind. You know, like, like everything, and it, it doesn't mean that you're responsible for every way everyone feels. But there right. are big ideas that you could you could hit that would give people a better chance. And I'm not saying my mom did anything wrong. I'm just saying stuff sticks to you. And in in ways that you just don't, you might not even recognize, but that's colored my life Mm -hmm. in little ways. I only wear dark clothing like from my waist up. I'm very cognizant to just wear dark clothing from my waist up. Mm. My daughter took me out and she's like, here, put this on. I was like, oh, I won't look good in that. And she's like, no, you will put it on. And I was like, okay. Like, so I was stuck having to be a good dad. So I put the shirt on and then she pushed me in front of a mirror and I thought, oh, this does look good on me. Like, huh? Like she helped me like immensely. Right. But right. I lived my whole life thinking, oh, that's the wrong color. I'll look fat in that. Oh man. Yeah. You know? And so like, anyway, you say something to somebody and you don't even mean anything by it. And there it is. But I'll tell you right now, if I thought deeply enough, this has got something to do with elastic banded jeans that my mom made me buy. Because she was like, we can't keep buying you new clothes. It's too expensive. So here, get these that stretch. Wow. And it just stuck with me. Like, mm. really, really. And she, what was she? She was fucking broke, and she couldn't be buying jeans all the time. Right. Right? right. What was the real answer? Stop giving me uh, a gallon of lemonade every day to drink and um, a bag <laughs> of chips and, like, macaroni for dinner and a giant pot. Like, then, you know, yeah. you know but... She didn't know. Right. But right. but here we are all these years later. So I don't know. George, you, you were really great. I appreciate this. Is there anything we haven't said that you, you want to make sure we cover? No, I mean, I, I made a, I had a little list of things I wanted to say. We hit them all. So oh, we're good. That's excellent. I uh, really appreciate you doing this. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to keep you anonymous and do our best to change your voice so that nobody can even tell it's you. And um, I think you, you really help people today. And, and I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I'm happy to have been here. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. A huge thanks to Touched by Type 1 for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Check them out on their website, touchedbytype1.org, or on Facebook and Instagram. Arden started using a contour meter because of its accuracy, but she continues to use it because it's durable and trustworthy. If you have diabetes, you want the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. There's already so many decisions. Let me take this one off your plate. Contournext.com slash juicebox. The episode you just heard was professionally edited 
by Wrong Way Recording. WrongWayRecording.com. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.